Angus McGonagall, 15 seconds to curtain, Mr. McGonagall. Yes, sir, little buddy, I'm raring to go. Luke Skywalker in C-3PO and R2-D2 from Star Wars. Oh, they'd make much better guests than Mr. McGonagall. Uh, You're going to have to uh, leave. Just Sorry. a minute, young Come on, sir. let's go. Excuse me, Master Luke, but what is this strange world we've come to? Beats me, 3PO. Seems we've landed on some sort of comedy variety show planet. <laughs> it's the Muppet Show with our very special guest stars, the stars of Star Wars. Yeah! Number 256 of Blast Points is Jason. And Escape. And yeah, we're talking about the Muppets. The Muppets and Star Wars. Two things that somehow just go together in so many ways. Well, and two things that at a certain point in time had nothing to do with each other. And were not walking down the street holding hands. There were Star Wars movies that didn't have puppets in them. It was a very different time. A strange, strange era before, but perhaps even before time as we know it even began. Did the universe even exist back then? <laughs> but as soon as Muppets and Star Wars could introduce themselves to each other and shake hands and become best friends for life, they did. And they go together like any two things that go together perfectly. Peanut butter and chocolate. Peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and crackers, peanut butter and apples, peanut butter bananas, peanut butter and ice cream, crunchy peanut butter and creamy peanut butter. Do you mix the two of those together? Sure, why not? <laughs> they go together. A bowl of. Did I ever tell you the story when I had a someone had a bunch of M and M's at work they didn't want, and I filled a bowl with them, and I tried to. Make like cereal, but instead of putting milk in it, I put peanut butter. So it was just a bowl of peanut butter and and M and M's, and I ate it. And I ate it. With, I ate it with a spoon. Were you okay afterwards? <laughs> no, not really. It was a really bad idea. <laughs> That's so. so everything but a bowl of peanut butter or and M and M's is is like Muppets and Star Wars. Well. What's not a really bad idea is that the the Muppet Show, as everyone knows, probably listening to this, is now finally on Disney Plus. It's like the first time it's ever been streaming on anything. And it's just it's great it's on there. Those episodes are so good and the Muppets somehow, just like Star Wars, are extremely timeless and extremely connected to, to so many people's childhoods. They're like Star Wars held very precious. I don't know, Gabe, did you did you watch the Muppet show as a kid? Do you have any special like Muppet memories? I remember watching it and I remember the Star Wars episode kind of messing me up. And and we'll get, we'll get into that later, but yeah, it's one of those things it's it's kind of like Star Wars where it's like I don't remember there ever not being the Muppet show as a kid, like I just you know, because I think it started like when we were born, <laughs> it was like, or maybe not too, just a little bit after that. So it was like, just kind of always there that I remember. 
And then Sesame Street, I watched all the time too. So there were just always Muppets and Puppets in my life as long as I can remember. Yeah, similar. I was like, I had a pretty healthy diet of Sesame Street as a kid and uh, Bert and Ernie and Big Bird and Grover. And then, yeah, the Muppet show, at least when I was little, it was a really big deal. The I don't remember what night it was on. But I remember my dad would make my sister and I root beer floats for the Muppet show. And we, we just had one TV in the basement of our house. We're sitting on the floor having root beer floats watching the Muppet show. So it's like even when I was like checking out a bunch of episodes on Disney Plus, there's something about like the opening theme music. It makes me think of root beer floats still to this day, which is pretty awesome. I mean, but that's... Again, like how many things like that are there? But it's like there's Star Wars kind of and Muppets where they kind of share that that same space. And like in more than just like, or I remember back in the day, like nostalgic memories. There, I don't know, as we're going to get into, there's a, a symbiotic relationship between the Muppets and Star Wars that's really unique. Well, and some of that is just because of how similar jim henson and george lucas were like just as creative people they both had very particular visions and ideas about the world and chose to express them in very unusual ways that managed to be very universally accepted for even though they're very strange yeah it's crazy like kind of going through and looking at their history together where what Henson and Lucas were eight years apart in age. Henson was older than Lucas and you know, they both had great hair and great beards, which is important. <laughs> if you're, if you're a creative person in the late seventies, you got to have a beard, <laughs> but they both are people that made something like you said, so kind of weird and something no one had ever really thought of doing before just literally out of nothing. Like both of them are just these crazy ideas they had that they couldn't let go of star Wars and Muppets are that special kind of entertainment that works for kids and for grownups simultaneously and doesn't have to try too hard to do that. It just does it like effort effortlessly. Yeah, because it is really like the definition of family entertainment where it it isn't like a kid's thing that's trying to appeal to grown-ups or a grown-up thing that's trying to appeal to kids. It's it is what it is and what it is just naturally appeals to everybody, no matter what age you are. Which is not an easy thing to do. And the fact that both of them seem to do it so effortlessly is part of the the magic of both of those guys. Well, and both their their crazy ideas were both rejected over and over and over again, which as we've gone over like in hundreds of shows in the past, you can understand with Star Wars, like it's kind of a gamble, kind of a risk. Are people really gonna go see this crazy idea? But like even when Jim Henson was trying to get the Muppet show off the ground, like well, just about every network turned him down. Because, yeah, if you just step back and think about it, the concept of the Muppet Show, very much like Star Wars, it's ludicrous. <laughs> it's like an old-timey variety show, but with puppets. <laughs> the puppets are going to do musical numbers. And sometimes human musicians are going to come on the show and actors and interact with the puppets. Just like every other show on TV at the time. <laughs> <laughs> totally normal. Why Why wouldn't you think anyone would want to watch that? <laughs> I've got this movie about a space kid out in the desert and he goes off with this old wizard and gets caught up with like a space cowboy that rides around a spaceship with a dog and there's a guy in a black mask and he's the main bad guy in a floating ball in space <laughs> what do you mean it's not going to make a bajillion dollars this is the greatest idea of all time yeah and there's a great quote from frank oz about kind of the the similarities between you know star wars and the muppets and and george and jim and he says, I think that's true. Certainly they both had the vitality and purity and joy and dreaming. And there's certainly geniuses behind both of them. George and Jim worked together on Labyrinth. And I think that which got them together was that synergy. 
There was an awareness and an appreciation. They are both very unique individuals, and I think they both wanted to work with each other because they were very similar, very smart, very quiet, very strong people. And there's a similar idea from, I think it's in the Star Wars Insider about the the Muppet show episode, and he's talking about working with the Muppets compared to working with the Star Wars and just how both the Star Wars crew and the Muppet crew were just very professional, very good people. And that's another maybe secret to both of these guys is that not only were they special people, but they made sure to surround themselves with the best collaborators and other people they could find. And it wasn't just the guy at the top. It was the guy at the top knowing to surround himself with the best people they could find. And that contributed to their unique successes. Jim is fun to work with. He's very, very easygoing. He has his own ideas about things, but he's always willing to entertain other ideas. We had a good working relationship. One of the first times Jim and I got together was uh, on a project was when I was doing uh, Empire Strikes Back and I needed some help with Yoda. Jim was about to do a project uh, after that using more realistic uh, puppetry. And so Yoda became an experiment for him and for me. Uh, And we both learned on that project. Uh, He went on to do Dark Crystal and advance the art. And then um, I went on to do uh, Return of the Jedi, advance the art there. We've sort of been progressively trying to make it, you know, advance uh, the technology of puppetry uh, and leapfrogging each other. Jim Henson's puppets really kind of started in... Washington, D.C. area on a, on a TV show called Sam and Friends way back in like 1955 to 1961. And then things really started to take off with Sesame Street in 69, which is just two years before Lucas releases THX 1138. So, yeah, they're, Jim Henson and George Lucas's careers were on a very kind of parallel track for a while, although Jim Henson was obviously getting started earlier. But when they were just kind of coming out into public awareness, it was all kind of that late 60s, early 70s time. So flash forward into what summer of 78, and Jim Henson is filming the Muppet movie, just as George Lucas is dealing with uh, the passing of Lee Brackett and what to do with the screenplay to the sequel to the most successful movie of all time. And there's the, the, the Minch Yoda character in there. Not quite sure how they're going to pull off Minchiota. I don't, if my memory serves right, of the Lee Brackett screenplay, Minchiota could have just been like a small person or something. Or <laughs> they don't, it was, it definitely wasn't clear on what exactly Minchiota was going to be. So, but George Lucas thought back to the making of the first Star Wars when, when they were making it, they were right across the street from ITV where Henson's group was. And the two of them at this period of time got to know each other. Lucas and Henson like immediately hit it off supposedly, you know, very much like Lucas and Spielberg. Like when we did our, our indie year episode and when we did the, the Spielberg connection, it's like these two like kindred spirits, these two people cut from the same cloth, finally coming together being like, <laughs> I'm weird. You're weird. Let's be weird together. Let's team up. So, yeah, they're getting ready to do Empire, and they're trying to figure out this all-important question of how to do Yoda. And Lucas went to Jim Henson, and Henson then recommended Frank Oz for the job and showed Frank Oz some sketches of Yoda. And according to, in Rinsler's uh, Making of Empire book, as soon as Frank Oz saw these, like, Macquarie and Joe Johnson sketches of Yoda, he was immediately knew this could really be something. Well, and it worked out perfect for Henson because he was starting to 
work on developing Dark Crystal with Frank, and they wanted to see how George Lucas went about making these kind of big budget science fiction type movies. And they were moving towards the idea of creating puppets that felt more like real creatures. And that kind of was exactly what Lucas was trying to accomplish with Yoda. And there was just this kind of, I guess, lucky accident of synergy that they both had something to gain from this partnership that it just seemed like it was the perfect thing for the two of them to, to join forces here. Because you had, yeah, Henson bringing in Frank Oz and some of his people to work on Yoda. And then there was like Stuart Freeborn and his crew building the puppet. We did uh, episode 119 on uh, the, the Yoda puppet. And then episode 225, the interview with Nick Maley with the creation of the Yoda puppet. And I, it's, it's a subject I can never get tired of. But it's the miracle of the Yoda puppet working and the massive effect that that had on Star Wars, on the way they could do aliens, and just movies in general. Like, you think after Yoda, there was E.T. And what would just movies and creatures as we know it in general be without that whole kind of idea of the realistic puppet and not like Bert and Ernie or something? Well, and this was the beginning of the overlapping talent pool too of people from the star Wars crew going and working on dark crystal and people from dark crystal later coming and helping out on return of the Jedi. Like there was definitely cross pollination between the groups moving forwards and, you know, Muppets and star Wars kind of growing together, progressing the art of puppetry, even up to the later collaboration between Lucas and Henson with labyrinth. It's weird to think about the fact that A New Hope, except for you, you know, maybe a little bit in the cantina, but doesn't really have any puppets. It's like the one Star Wars movie that doesn't have puppet aliens. It's true. Because even, the, you know, that, that through line of the puppet technology kind of influencing some of the, the digital creatures, even in the prequels, like it's still coming from that kind of puppet roots. But yeah, puppets came in with Yoda, and puppets were large and in charge in Return of the Jedi, and puppets have been here to stay. I mean, I think of that first footage of what J.J. talking in the desert for Force Awakens, and there was Baba Joe walking around in the background, like straight out of Dark Crystal-looking Baba Joe, and people got so excited because it's like, oh my god, the puppets are back. We've got puppets. Somehow puppets and just like that through line of Muppetness has just become part of the Star Wars DNA. Yeah, puppets always seem like something that's just always been there as one of the essential ingredients of Star Wars, but it's something that really wasn't there until Empire Strikes Back and really Return of the Jedi. Like It's almost like the Imperial March. You just always assume that that's been there, but... It wasn't. It wasn't there in the original movie. But, you know, once it gets mixed into that Star Wars stew, you just can't imagine how it tasted without it. Well, it wasn't up to me to see it. I, I, I uh, told Stuart, who took a cast of my hand and arm, told Stuart uh, at various stages along the way what I needed. And Jim Henson was there also to, to say what uh, would be helpful to me. And Wendy was there also, and so it was. It was just me saying, "Hey, Stuart, uh, here's here are my needs." And Stuart was the one who really did it. Stuart and Wendy and uh, and such. So, um, remind me of just for the record who Wendy is. Oh, Wendy is the uh, uh, blonde lady right here who was working with me. There's Kathy Mullen and Wendy Meidner. And yourself. And myself. From the Muppet. Right, right. Well, the big thing with Star Wars and the Muppets was when Star Wars literally joined the Muppets. And that's the, yeah, the Muppet Star Wars connection 
really collided in late February 1980 when the stars of Star Wars were the hosts of The Muppet Show. Luke Skywalker, R2-D2, and C-3PO come literally crashing through a wall into the set of The Muppet Show. There's no subtlety in their introduction. And it is funny, in hindsight, it's almost like, well, of course he's going to make his entrance crashing through a wall because he is Vader's son and Vader made his entrance crashing through a door. So why not have uh, Luke burst through the wall like Kool-Aid man? It's the crazy thing with this, this episode is it's a couple of months before the release of empire where it's like late February empire doesn't come out until the end of May. Luke is in his Bespin fatigues. He's got the empire blaster And you get the sense that this wasn't just, like, a guest appearance. This was a teaser for The Empire Strikes Back in a pretty major way. While also seeming very loose and off the cuff. And maybe that's part of the magic of it, is it was, on one hand, this huge teaser for the next gigantic Star Wars film. But it also didn't feel like promotion or you know, a press thing. It was like Mark Hamill having a good time, (laughs) which is not usually how you would see a cross promotion for a big movie. Like it, 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 it did what it needed to do, but not, I don't know. It just seemed very pure and fun. It's yeah. It doesn't take itself too seriously at all. It's very Muppets in that way. Like it never goes full star Wars. Yeah. It's so crazy to think that this is, promotion in a way for the sequel to the biggest movie of all time and it's just the goofy muffin show (laughs) so it came about probably part a huge part because of henson and lucas's friendship like we were talking about but a big thing was that the muppet show was filmed in the uk now we're not like experts on muppet history or anything so what we gather is that the the muppet show was filmed at Elden Studios, which was a part of Elstree Studios, where Empire was filming, just a town over. So they were both kind of owned by the same company, I think. I don't know. We obviously do not work in the studio system in the UK in the in the late 1970s. So basically what they had to do, like while they're, I think if the timelines match up, it was like kind of towards the end of shooting empire and they've just had to kind of pack up the droids and mark hamill's costume and head down the road literally to where the muppets were filming because there are all those photos from the dagobah sets with like kermit and miss piggy hanging out on dagobah with luke and yoda i guess it would make sense it's weird because i wonder was that just good luck or was that intentional because frank oz had to go back and forth between both sets right because he was still working on the muppet show because he wasn't on vacation i bet yeah i bet it was all planned that way yeah (laughs) poor frank oz (laughs) losing his mind probably having yoda talk like miss piggy or something but yes so the episode is totally gold let's let's start to go through some of the basics of this season four episode of the muppet show featuring the stars of star wars they know who the real star of Star Wars is, and it's Chewbacca, and Chewbacca has been kidnapped. So you know everyone is invested now because we got to find Chewbacca. And we find out that what? He's been held by a bunch of turkeys. But you know, it's not out of the question in Star Wars. There was the turkey alien in Cantobite, so, which is very Muppet alien in itself. So. We know Chewie's stomach gets him into trouble, and porgs kind of look like little turkeys, so I can totally see Chewbacca going off chasing some little birds that he wants to eat and getting himself into into trouble. So Luke is like basically running around backstage, the Muppet set, and at one part he comes storming up the stairs and he says, Remember Alderaan! Which is a great moment. And what Fozzie Bear sees Luke... Hold it, hold it. You're, you're Mark Hamill. Yes. Uh, huh? No, no, no. Uh, he's my cousin. That's it. He's my cousin and he's right outside. But, 
Oh, go get him. Hurry. Hurry. I want to see him. Run. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm a big fan of his. And then what? Out comes Mark Hamill in an Argyle sweater, being Mark Hamill, doing impressions, dancing. Oh, uh, well, you know, I've been uh, known to do impressions. Hey! Uh-huh. Who do you do? Oh, well, I just love impressions. Ah! Oh, I just love doing them. Ah! Terrific! Who do you do? Maybe it's too much Mark Hamill. I don't know. Well, yeah, and what's funny is I think definitely at the time and probably for a long time after, people probably didn't realize that that really is just Mark Hamill being Mark Hamill. (laughs) But Luke and Mark Hamill being two different people, as the small child I was when I saw this, blew my mind. And especially how they end the episode, I was convinced that they were two different people. It worked on me. Maybe they are. I know we're, we've got we've got a lot of ground to cover here. <laughs> we get several scenes in the episode with uh, with Scooter in his bedroom playing guitar, and there's a great picture of Luke from Empire on his wall in the Upside Down Star Destroyer. But even before that, there's like little skit, little sketches, little Muppet sketches that maybe seem like they're not connected to Star Wars, but maybe they are. Well, there's the I think it's the first musical number which is the a bunch of sheep and a farmer singing ramalama ding dong which sounds like the kind of 50s music george lucas is into <laughs> only being sung by sheep which sounds like something george lucas would be into <laughs> it's very it's very american graffiti and then we'd get was it i think it's the second musical number of the episode is a bunch of fish swimming around underwater and singing and it looks straight out of the underwater scenes in Phantom Menace with the orange fish and the big sea worm thing. And like, I don't know, I kept I was having the planet core on Naboo flashbacks watching that. So maybe subliminally, Lucas was such a fan of the Muppet episode with uh, Star Wars that it turned into Phantom Menace 30 years later. As we're going to get into may, later, maybe Lucas was watching it and he's like, this is all, it's all connected. This is all giving me some really good ideas. <laughs> I really like the sheep singing, singing Ramalama Ding Dong. That's my favorite song. <laughs> Love that Ramalama Ding Dong stuff. So yeah, there's uh, there's the whole pigs in space thing. And uh, in the beginning, Luke says he's talking to the Navic computer, which is always some good, some good Star Wars talk. It's kind of an interesting thing because they're on like, the the swine track and Luke is like taking it really seriously. And do you think Luke really thinks he's in space at that moment, <laughs> looking for Chewbacca? Probably. There's stars out of the window. <laughs> Miss Piggy shows up dressed as a New Hope Leia, and we see Gonzo as Dirth Nader. I really like the Dirth Nader helmet. It's really beautiful. And then what we finally see. Chewbacca the Wookiee, right? And you know Chewie's had it rough because he's buck naked. As weird as this episode gets, it doesn't really get weird until Chewbacca shows up naked. I don't understand why he's naked, but he is naked, and he's dancing naked. (laughs) And really, yeah, this is like the warm-up for the Return of the Jedi celebration dance. It's kind of Chewie's first foray into a dance routine. Okay, that's the song part. Now comes the dance. Take it, Chewie and R2. Why do you think Chewie's naked? (laughs) That's... It's a shocking question. I didn't notice, too, that Luke doesn't have his lightsaber, also. But that's not as weird as Chewie being naked. (laughs) Do you think when they were going across the street, someone forgot to grab his bandolier strap? Maybe, or it it broke and they didn't have time to fix it? Because it's like if if Mark Hamill just showed up as Luke in the diaper from the Bakta tank. Like, they decided like that's what he was going to wear from Empire. So disturbing, naked Chewbacca. It's so dirty, so weird. Yeah, and he's dancing. And whenever he's dancing, too, it always makes me think of the Men Behind the Mass convention we went to in 1995 where we asked peter mayhew about his dancing at the the ewok party at the end of return of the jedi and his wonderful quote wookies are not dancers 
They're fighters, they're protectors, but they're not dancers. So <laughs> if you were in Dearborn, Michigan at that uh, Men Behind the Mask tour, you, the two guys asking Peter Mayhew about his dancing. <laughs> and wh- Mr. Mayhew, why were you naked? And shame on us for forgetting to ask him about his dancing in the Muppet Show episode. So, yeah, if, if naked Chewbacca dancing with R2-D2 isn't enough, then out comes C-3PO dancing. C-3PO, you're next! I said me damn dance. Oh, but this is our big ending! Oh, all right. Lucky I once saw a Fred Astaire film. You know, if everybody else is dancing, 3PO is not going to let everybody else steal the show. So he does a full-on tap dance routine. Of course. (laughs) And then Luke won't dance, so he goes and gets his cousin, Mark Hamill, who you know Mark Hamill's ready to dance. (laughs) And they, he comes out with like a bow tie and like a goofy hat and everything. And they all are singing the Disney song, When You Wish Upon a Star, as a castle comes up behind them. So you've got the Muppets and Luke Skywalker and the droids and Chewbacca singing like basically the Disney theme, like when the Disney logo plays and a big castle comes up behind them. And it's kind of weird. knew the future it's like one day we're all we're all gonna be dizzy i don't think anyone in 1980 would have put that together the the weirdness of that moment but it's 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 interesting looking at it now well and this is the part at the end when we see luke and mark hamill next to each other which just totally blew my little kid mind because i was convinced they were two different people because of that shot which they pull off really well for Late seventies, early eighties TV effects. Thank you, Tim. But, uh, don't you think we ought to introduce my cousin? Uh, sure. Uh, you want to uh, uh, go out and uh, send him in? Well, that won't be necessary, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Hamill. <laughs> Thanks for having us, Kermit. That goes double. It, it certainly does. Say, Luke, who's your tailor? I love that outfit. Okay. So, but that leads us to our next big thing. And this this was something that was talked about in that issue of Insider. Is this episode canon? Which there are two answers. No, of course it's not. And the second answer, who cares? But what if it is? Because now Luke, R2, and 3PO coming into this parallel universe where the Muppets are putting on a show which the Muppets exist in Earth, but it's not our Earth. It's a universe where frogs and pigs and Muppets kind of coexist with humans. What if they use the world between worlds? Star Wars is our universe, right? It's just a galaxy far, far away. A long time ago, but when you're traveling through space, time, who's who's to say what time is? We know E.T.'s a Jedi, E.T.'s on Earth. If E.T. can get here, Chewie can get here chasing some chickens. And if Chewie can get here chasing chickens, then of course Luke Skywalker and the droids can get here. But E.T. could have been a long, long time later after the events of the Star Wars saga. The, the, the timelines could still match up. I... I wonder if Luke and them went through the world between worlds because you can go through time in the world between worlds. If chickens or turkeys can go through the world between worlds and Chewie can chase after them, then makes sense to me. Which I guess big giant loath wolves can do it. So why not yummy loath turkeys? 
If Luke was going out looking for Jedi temples, which it's not clear if this is pre-Empire or post-Empire. You can imagine that it's close to Empire, just by the way Luke is dressed. But at the end of Empire, his Bespin fatigues are pretty torn up. So if I had to guess, I would say that this is pre-Empire. Although post-Empire would make sense, though, too, because... Why wouldn't Han Solo be looking for Chewie? Unless he's frozen in carbonite. Maybe he's uh, got some bounty hunter trouble. Mm -hmm. He was out doing something, and the bounty hunters, they know the only way to get Chewie out of the picture is some yummy turkeys. Chewie goes after the turkeys, and Han's left to deal with the bounty hunters. So they, when they come busting in, they say they, they seem to have landed on some comedy variety show planet, which also makes you assume that there are comedy variety shows in the galaxy far, far away because Luke Skywalker immediately knows what it is. Where, where do you think Lindy the comedy droid went <laughs> or came from? <laughs> the variety show comedy planet. Who else is going to make comedy droids? The things get really interesting, though, later in the episode when C-3PO is tap dancing, where C-3PO makes a comment that he's seen Fred Astaire films. Okay, so if this is canon, then C-3PO, who's fluent in, what, a gajillion forms of communication, does one of those him watching old or future Earth movies with dancing in them? We've seen enough movies where... When TV shows get broadcast over the airwaves, they go into space. And later on, aliens can watch our TV shows. 3PO's watching Fred Astaire movies from the future. Fred Astaire hasn't happened yet in Star Wars time. Maybe those Fred Astaire movies went into a black hole and the waves shot back in time. I can believe that. I can believe that. (laughs) You have Darth Nader. And it was established in Muppets in Space that Gonzo is an alien. And Gonzo clearly is Darth Nader. That's, the fact that Gonzo is an alien is even more reason that this all probably really happened. The most interesting aspect of this episode being canon in Star Wars is the fact that Mark Hamill really is Luke Skywalker's cousin. And Luke Skywalker knows this, which begs the question... Of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. (laughs) If Mark Hamill is Luke's cousin, is Mark Hamill the true child of Owen and Beru? Think about that. I'm sure this was all going to get cleared up in Lucas's movies about the microscopic life forms. (laughs) It was an elaborate explanation for how Mark Hamill can be Luke's cousin. It's got to be addressed in the Kenobi show. If Kenobi goes off planet... It's got to be to get Mark Hamill out of there and to get Luke Skywalker into the Lars homestead. And he's got to get Mark Hamill back to Earth in the future. I'm ready to watch that. (laughs) Yeah, somehow Luke's cousin is an identical twin. He's an identical cousin because his twin sister is his sister. So she's not identical, but his cousin is. So maybe that means... That his cousin is really his other twin, who's not Owen and Brew's actual child, but the third baby that we didn't see in Revenge of the Sith. There were triplets. There were two identical twins. And then Leia. It was in the three-hour version of Revenge of the Sith. Part of the whole thing. Padme on the table with the Uba droids. She says, Luke, Leia, Mark Hamill. What? Yeah, in Star Wars Land, it's his name is spelled M A apostrophe C A M E L. Ma Camel. <laughs> you know, that's another thing that started with the Empire. Everybody being related to each other. Maybe it's not really from Empire. Maybe part of that's to blame for this Muppet Show episode. Well, while we're on this tangent here, three PO and R two appeared on Sesame Street, so they had a good time and they kept coming back. They figured out the uh, hyperspace coordinates to go through time and come to Earth, and they made a habit out of it. Those Sesame Street episodes with 3PO and R2 
are pure gold. They're on YouTube, and if you've never watched them, the episode where R2-D2 falls in love with a fire hydrant is some of the best stuff you'll ever watch in your life. Now look here, R2. You're going to have to go much slower if you expect me to understand you. Yes, I can see you're happy. I can see that very well. You're moving around as fast as you can and beeping away like mad. But why? What makes you so happy? Oh, so that's it. You're in love. Well, that was sudden. Where did you meet? Right here on Sesame Street. Extraordinary. Tell me what she looks like. So, yeah, that was in 81. That was the same year Gary Kurtz produced The Dark Crystal. And I think we've said before, like, much like Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker, The Dark Crystal is like a cousin to Star Wars. They... They have similar DNA in them. And uh, yeah, like we said, of course, the Muppet influence was all over Return of the Jedi. And then in in 86, Lucas and Henson teamed up for the incredible Labyrinth, which one day we'll do an episode all about Labyrinth. And there were tons and tons of other Muppet Star Wars crossovers over the years. I mean, Muppet Babies cartoon had like a Star Wars reference in just about every single episode. I think the opening credits had like an X-Wing going by. But one of the most important Muppet Star Wars crossovers, though, is one that people don't talk about as much at all. In 1990, C-3PO and R2-D2, as seen in the Wonderful Ride Star Tours, hooked up a transmission for Tony Danza, yes, Tony Danza, to interview Miss Piggy on Disneyland's 35th anniversary celebration TV special. Establish high-frequency bias connection with Satellite 5 in Sector Q368. Excellent. I can't wait to see Miss Piggy. She is on location in Europe shooting her new film. Now, don't blow a circuit, Artu. Gonzo should be on screen any moment now. But look at the time. I'm most concerned about the absence of our host, Tony Dancer. What could be keeping him... If you've ever lied awake at night wondering what it would be like if Tony Danza interviewed Miss Piggy at Star Tours, it's pretty much that. And again, this was, what, 1990? And the Muppets weren't purchased by Disney until 2004. So again, it's just weird that we've got Muppets and Star Wars on the Disneyland celebration thing. (laughs) Just a bunch of deadbeats hanging out at Disneyland. And a shocking bit of information is that I think what was it in like 2006 or something, there was a webisode series on movies.com called from the balcony was like a little Muppets little like movie parody show on the wonderful movies.com. But there was a George Lucas Muppet. On this show, he was interviewed by a Muppet named Ted Thomas Sr. about his latest film, Star Wars, and how George Lucas got all the ideas for his movies from the, from actually Ted Thomas Sr. And this George Lucas Muppet is the craziest looking thing in the world. It really doesn't look like George Lucas at all. It kind of looks like Wolfman Jack with glasses <laughs> if he was purple, but I Guess it's kind of George Lucas. We were not able to find video footage of this anywhere other than the picture. So maybe the voice makes you know it's George Lucas. The fact that it exists is pretty amazing. Yeah, it looks more like a Francis Ford Coppola Muppet, honestly, or something. Or like a like a French artist or something. So is it's like Lucas with the biggest beard you've ever seen. He's got like... Like he's in a biker gang or something. He has this huge beard. We don't. Maybe, maybe it's based on some period of time we don't we haven't seen yet. But. Yeah, maybe it's the some of the secret years with Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> he's not even in a plaid shirt. It's kind of weird. It was that one summer where he just played guitar and grew out his beard. Those oh, those were the days. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the Muppet influence that started way back with Jim Henson and George Lucas together, and the way those. Two very unique people, their ideas fit so well together. I mean, you can still fear I, the most clearly, like we said, with Grogu in The Mandalorian. I mean, the team at Legacy Effects created this basically what is a puppet. 
I mean, he's like radio controlled, but it's the idea is the same. And the fact that we care about Grogu so much is the fact, I think what, because we know he's, he's a thing. And it's the same kind of idea as Yoda that went back in the Empire Strikes Back. Well, and even that carrying over into the, to the digital characters of the digital characters kind of being animated sometimes to look like they're a puppet because there's just something about the puppet-like motion that makes it feel more real than reality. And the idea of, you know, even back with the prequels going digital, the digital characters were almost an evolution of puppetry more so than being a recreation of reality. Something like Watto. Watto's DNA is more of a Muppet than a real creature you would go into the Amazon jungle and find. And then, yeah, that kind of going full circle back to Grogu starting as an actual puppet and even things like IG-11 being a very crude puppet on set to use as reference for animation, kind of all going back to that, yeah, just that feel of something controlled by somebody's hands makes it feel like it's a star Wars creature. Yeah. And that, that, that same idea of how do we do something no one's ever seen before? How do we have a character like Yoda going back and yeah, thinking of when George Lucas met Jim Henson and the two of them just hit it off and, taking the ideas of aliens in movies and making them real. Part of that could have been from the experiences of the cantina and his dissatisfaction with the, the beautiful, but not what Lucas wanted kind of rubber mass of the cantina and just aliens that were impossible, but felt real in every way. And that's, that was also kind of the, the dream of Jim Henson too, that the Muppets are real to us. Well, and also even to this day, the kind of synergy and cross-pollination of Muppet Star Wars technicians and creators and crew, because like Neil Scanlon and his group, who were in charge of all the new creatures for all the new theatrical movies, had his start working for Henson's company and even as far back as working on Labyrinth. So it's like what we think of as the new Disney era of Star Wars the creatures have their roots in Jim Henson's crew. The Muppet Star Wars connection lives forever. It's part of the secret recipe. lightsaber each sold separately as you move your lightsaber the sound of the force moves with you it can be a powerful friend that is your first lesson learn it well the force is my lightsaber the force is in all things even you my young jedi the force lightsaber and new yoda puppet each sold separately from kenner star wars the empire strikes back collection This is Jerome St. John Blake. Um, I played Masamida, Rune Harko, Oboransesis, and a few other guys in the Star Wars prequel trilogy. And I'm standing here with Gabe from Blast Points Podcast and uh, looking forward to my debut appearance on his show. Watch this space. And may the force be with you. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise.
you know the deal with Apple Podcasts. If you are listening on some sort of Apple something, when you're done listening to this, uh, go over there, write a little something nice about Blast Points. It helps more people find the show, and we will read your review on an upcoming episode. And don't forget to check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com which has a handy search feature if you want to find any of our back episodes and make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're a member of the super chill group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the blast points army on Patreon where have you heard we're doing a series where we are talking about the classic episode one, the Phantom Menace documentary, The Beginning, in 10-minute chunks. We're not The episodes aren't 10 minutes, but we're just, like, the first episode that just came out, we're only talking about the first 10 minutes of The Beginning. And in, what, in March, then we're going to be talking about minutes 10 through 20 of The Beginning. It's very exciting. There's a lot of stuff packed into the beginning. <laughs> so much. So much we've got to break it down. The first 10 minutes was 45 minutes worth of talking about 10 minutes. And when it's all said and done, it's going to be like, what, almost a six-hour <laughs> podcast series about the episode one, the beginning. So that's only for you folks on the Blast Points Army. And we want to give extra thanks to all of our new Patreon members this month. Special thanks to Savannah, Jam's Shop, Dylan, Jordan, Craig, Victoria, Ashley, Natalie, Russell, James, Lorelei, Seth, Patience, Simon, Andrew, Scott, Morgan, and John. Yeah, thank you all so much. Hope you folks are enjoying all the fun bonus content over there for the Blast Points Army. But that about wraps up number 256 here, The Muppets and Star Wars. It's like Miss Piggy and Kermit. They're married forever. (laughs) Nothing can separate them now that they're together. We will be back next week with more ridiculousness, more fun. Because we're serious Star Wars people. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. (laughs) 